Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this season, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on every single goddamn page in a trio of adventure modules for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes RPG, starting with Adventure MT1, All This and World War II. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. All This and World War II was written by Ray Winninger and published in 1989 by TSR. Today we're discussing page 34 of All This and World War II. Uh, we're 34 pages into this thing. We've been through a lot with all the non-player characters, the different player character options, potentially creating our own heroes and teams. And of course, we have been dragged like stubborn toddlers through a plot preordained in its every detail by the author. It's been a real railroad, and it's gotten to the point, which I think is the final breaking point of a railroading problem in an adventure or a campaign. It goes beyond frustration. It goes beyond questions of player agency. It goes to a a meta level, a social level. It makes the player ask, do I need to be here for this? Like, not only can I choose to take effective action in this fiction, clearly the answer is no. We've long since passed that point. Do I have control over my character's fate? Clearly not. We're past that point. Should I be trying to solve problems or should I passively accept the solutions preordained by the GM? Clearly it is the latter. What we've reached now is the point where you're like, could I perhaps go home and watch television? And the GM would simply sit here at the table and tell a solitary story about how Captain America does this and does that and does this and does that. And then finally saves World War II for the Allies. And then and then we're done. Or rather, he's done. I will have already been done. I mean, maybe I don't want to quit the campaign entirely. Maybe maybe I like to see these people and hang out with them. But like, truly, could I just say there's only one thing Hawkeye can do? indefinitely (laughs) like in every situation there is one thing he is allowed to do and all the gm does is look at me and wait until i say i do that so could i maybe just like go home and you guys play and then i'll come back later i don't need to be there are no decisions there are no choices there are no branches there are no consequences could i if i'm not feeling it could i just go home and then at some point later i'll check in and see what hawkeye's up to because truly this campaign only needs the gm Waiting for the players to declare the only action they're allowed to take is a formality. That's where we're at on this page, at least emotionally. And it is because of the final cruel torment of Hamilton Crane. You'll recall that our heroes, whoever they are, have just met the invaders. Lots of handshaking ensued. Human Torch lit himself on fire inside a tent for no reason. Probably some people got sick from smoke inhalation. And anyway, where we are now is discussing the fact that there's a Nazi superweapon, either in a castle in Romania or in Hitler's private bunker, And Captain America knows they need to go to those places, but number one, he doesn't know where they are. And number two, there's no time to go to them both in sequence. We'd have to split up. The player characters, consulting the book that has displaced all other books in their lives and memories, World War II Inside and Out, All the People, All the Places, and All the Events by Hamilton Crane, they are able to discover the locations. So now what are we going to do about these Nazi superweapons? That's where we pick up. Quote, the obvious solution is to ask the invaders for help. Working together and with some of the general's military equipment at their disposal, the two hero teams should have plenty of time to visit both locations and find the Nazi weapon. If and when the heroes do decide to come forward and reveal that they know where the two Nazi strongholds are located, they can tell the invaders, Dozer, and Holland anything they like, either the truth, we know where Hitler's bunker is because we are from the future, or an appropriate fiction. Since the Allies are rather desperate at the moment, they are likely to believe anything. So great, we can tell the truth, or lie, it doesn't matter what the lie is, whatever, the Allies will believe us, it's fine. Quote, 
Although they might not realize it right away, the heroes really have no choice but to involve the invaders. Oh, we realize it. Quote, Barring powerful travel powers, there is simply no way they can get to Romania or East Prussia in the time allotted unless someone provides them with some form of transportation and assistance. And Dozier will not agree to help the heroes at all unless they are cooperating with the invaders. If the players start talking about stealing a plane or some such plane, simply point out all the things that could go wrong with such a plane and how little room there is for error. So we have no choice but to work with the invaders. We have no choice but to work with Dozier. We have to get to these places. And there's simply no way to go without transportation. What if the players try to get transportation? Tell them they suck. Tell them they're dumb and you hate them. Think of all the things that could go wrong with stealing a plane. This isn't a simple operation, like taking a broken time machine back to World War II to try to change the past to ensure that the present doesn't change somehow. This is stealing a plane. Anyway, quote, Once the heroes have decided to work with the invaders, Captain America will suggest that all of the heroes present split up into two groups of equal size, with one group heading to Romania and the other to East Prussia. Each of these two assaults will then be played out separately. Have any players that cannot have characters participating in the assault you are currently running take on the roles of any invaders present, and allow a player to transfer any karma that he or she earns as an invader to his or her own hero. Captain America will insist that each strike team contain a mixed force of invaders and player heroes, since he has yet to find out how far he can trust the player characters. So you notice there, Captain America started out the paragraph suggesting things, and he ended the paragraph insisting things. It just depends on how much the players are still resisting your iron rule as the judge. Captain America's like, hey, I have an idea. Why don't we split up into two teams, same number of people, mix, you know, Avengers and invaders, and we'll just go to these two places and see what happens. And if the players are cool with it and they know their place, if they understand that the GM is the true protagonist of the adventure, then they'll say cool and everything is cool. If they resist, then Captain America will insist. Only we have the planes you need to complete the plot. Only we have the transportation you need to continue. You don't have your time machine. You don't have any other resources or friends. You have one thing to do and one way to do it, and that's us. And we insist that we are going to go to these two places in this configuration, an equal number of invaders and adventures on each team. You will go here. You will go here. I am now the leader of the party. I am Captain America. And then whoever the troublemaker is on the player character group, probably Tigra, is going to be like, fuck Captain America. I'm going to go steal a plane. And the GM is like, no, you don't. That's dumb. You do what Captain America says, Tigra. So, okay, there's only one way this scene can end. We're doing exactly what Captain America said. Standard railroading. Here's where it gets personal. Quote, aftermath. If the players don't realize that they can consult the history book to learn the locations of the Nazi strongholds, allow each of them a typical intensity reason feat roll to think of it. That is the aftermath of this scene, because there are no other consequences, because the plot can only go one way. There are no choices to make. So... The aftermath of the scene is just a spot for the author to say, you know how I've carefully contrived so that the only place to find the clues they need is in this one book that for some reason I have forced them to have in their hands no matter what? If they don't realize the clues are in that book, just have them make an almost impossible to fail intelligence roll to realize that they should look in the book. Like if they're not playing the game right, just say, roll intelligence, roll dice, you made your roll. Okay, you're smart enough that this is what your character does. Let's just move on. Extremely passive-aggressive to, to have a preordained solution to this scene, and then if the players don't use it, have them roll their character's intelligence to think of doing it the GM's way. Yes, I, I think in this instance, Scarlet Witch is as smart as me, Ray Winninger. She would think of doing this the right way, the Ray way. So anyway, one way or another, there's going to be a tremendous dust cloud over the American command post, as someone flips open the tremendous tome that is 
World War II Inside and Out, all the people, all the places, and all the events by Hamilton Crane and looks up the clues and gives it to the invaders and they split into two teams. What then? This is the end of chapter 12. Quote, Karma, using the Crane book, plus 15. This is the dumbest thing on the page. Giving me 15 XP, essentially, for using World War II Inside and Out, all the people, all the places, and all the events by Hamilton Crane. By giving me that XP, you are spitting in my face. You have chased me through the streets. You have stalked me in my own home. Truly, what kind of a monster do you have to be to hold someone at gunpoint and force them to do something? To chase them around and corner them and hold them at gunpoint and force them to do something? And then when they're done, pay them for it. That hurts. It stings. I don't want your fucking dog biscuit. I don't want your fucking Scooby snack. The idea of giving a not insubstantial XP award for using this book, it's like the GM is giving himself XP for having such a good idea. I can't describe how angry this makes me. One last observation, and like that hurts too much. That that is too that cut is too deep for anything else to be the dumbest thing on this page. That is an assault on the dignity of the player. But I just also want to point out the obsession with this book for no reason that I can ascertain. That whole thing earlier, remember we were talking about the time machine, how your time machine goes off course and you land in this gully and then like you have to abandon the time machine in Nazi hands on Nazi territory. There's a time crunch. You can escape, but there's nothing you can do about the time machine. But the time machine remains accessible. It can go into the time machine. It's not like it just vanishes, you know, which would have been a much more elegant solution. Here's what I think. Nick Fury gives you that little speech before you leave San Diego about making sure that fucking World War II, inside and out, all the people, all the places and all the events by Hamilton Crane is not captured by anyone from the past. He, he forces you to take this book. If you've not taken it on your own initiative, then warns you, you can't let anyone get this. The very next thing that happens is that your time machine crashes in Nazi territory and you are forced to abandon it and go directly to the American camp. This whole sequence of events, I suspect, is arranged this way and not done more elegantly or in a more exciting fashion because it is contrived to create a situation where you don't have your time machine during the course of the adventure, which of course is crucial to a time travel story ironically, that you not be allowed to time travel during it. Not particularly a dumb thing about this adventure, just a weird thing about time travel stories in general. Uh, it, it, it denies you the time machine, but in a way where you can still get into the time machine, it's still fully accessible, and you have to take the book with you because if you don't, the Nazis will get it. And then you go directly to the American camp. And the next thing you do has to be to get the clue from the book and give the clue to the invaders, thus completing the cross-time agenda of Hamilton Crane and of this author, and earning yourself 15 dirty, filthy fucking experience points for doing what you were told because you were forced. <sighs> anyway, it's time to go storm Hitler's bunker, so join me next time for that on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact the show however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Podbean, Gmail, Instagram, etc., etc. This episode's theme music is Robinson's Grand Entry March, performed by the United States Air Force Concert Band. Thanks for listening.